0: This is a land in need of a hero. They call him Machete. 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 He knows the score, and he kills the bad guy. Welcome to Now Playing's Machete Retrospective Series. You mean to tell me that a Mexican day labor has a goddamn federality? That's like CIA, FBI, DEA, all in one mean fucking burrito. Hosted by Arnie.
1: Male, Hispanic, scars, tattoos. Don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you attitude.
0: Stewart. I
1: don't know how
2: you know what you know. I'm glad I know you.
0: And Jacob. Why don't want to be a real personal. I'm already a man. This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Right to the point. I like that. Listener discretion is advised. Machete happens.
3: All right, all you new girls, it's time to keep your legs spread and your snatch well-oiled, because today we're talking Machete Kills, starring Danny Trejo, Michelle Rodriguez, Sofia Vergara, Amber Heard, Antonio Banderas, Cuba Gooding Jr., with Mel Gibson and Carlos Estevez, directed by Robert Rodriguez. This is Arnie, co-host now playing.
1: Stuart in L.A. Hey, try not to be distracted by the cleavage and the hairspray. This is Jacob.
2: I was going to say that new look's working for you this year, Jacob. Thank you. Machete too? Really? I did not think that first movie was a success. I mean, I think it cost $10 million and they made like $27. Oh, tripled its money.
3: If you look worldwide, it made forty-five, and then did very well on video.
2: Okay, well, I know 20th Century Fox was out of distributing it, and they had to go with a different independent, but they got an up budget. I figured, well, it'll be smaller this time. It's not smaller. They got $20 million and it's a much more ambitious story. Yeah,
3: they got double the budget and made a third the income.
2: <laughs> yeah. Kind of how I imagined it going, but I guess that's not what they were planning on. Yes, this is a bomb. And I'm, even though they're talking about making a part three, well, that would be something, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah. And I was curious. I mean, Platinum donors got to hear my review of Grindhouse where we talked about the machete trailer, and I was, saying I was very anxious for that movie. And last week we were talking about Machete, and I walked away going I was very anxious for a sequel. But I never saw the sequel. This is my first time watching this movie. You lie! (laughs) In in fact, we had to delay this recording a week because I hadn't seen the sequel.
2: (laughs) We were supposed to record it last week, but somebody didn't even start it until an hour before we were going to the mics. (laughs) Yep, that happened. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, this is more than 60 minutes, guys. Can we wait?" <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised too. I thought this would have been 5 minutes on
3: Elm Ring. But I was confused as to how you continue this. I mean, the last movie had some good action and a joke, and what is the new joke? How do they do this? I was very curious. Plus all the names attached to this one including Lady Gaga apparently
2: she's a fan she came to them the story was that Danny Trejo was getting his haircut or something and Lady Gaga was there I can't imagine they had the same hairdresser this has to be a falsified story but whatever that's
3: like when Robert England told me he was partying with Ludacris
1: yes <laughs>
2: whatever the, for, the celebrities in their little bubble they collide and he mentioned that he was about to shoot machete kills maybe that's why he was going for a haircut or his, you know, annual grooming. And she was there and said, oh, I'd love to be in it. So they wrote her into it. It wasn't conceived that way. But, uh, you know, they found something for her to do.
1: I don't even remember this being advertised. I've seen it before. I watched it on Netflix, just like I did this time. I guess it didn't last long. This
2: came out during some competition. Oh, what? The reason why you didn't hear about it was because everyone was going to see Gravity.
1: Okay, yes, I did go to Gravity opening weekend, so (laughs) there you go. That's right. I did have a choice,
3: Machete Kills or Gravity. I went and saw Gravity because I felt Machete Kills would be okay on video and Gravity
2: wouldn't. Well, maybe if it was Machete Kills Part 3 in space. Because that's (laughs) what we're treated to here in the beginning. Why do this? I mean, Grindhouse was a flop, right? Why build off of that grindhouse thing by having the whole previews grindhouse experience again yeah it
3: even had the same music and misspelling of previews and,
1: and it's a
2: preview for a sequel to the movie you're about to watch that's very
1: strange yeah i was so confused when i saw this the first time i'm like wait is this the movie i'm watching what are they doing Did Do they lord of the rings this and film everything at once and so they already have a sequel ready to go
3: I'll tell you what's most odd for me is that it's machete in space and it's really looking very Jason X to me. I mean, just a machete in space. Jason's weapon is a machete. Not a bad thing. In my opinion, (laughs) one Friday the 13th. I like, yeah, so I'm getting that vibe, but to me, this is a joke. This is an obvious joke. Imagine how my mind was fucking blown when this movie is a bridge from Machete 1 ending with the lead into Machete in space. That was, like, I couldn't fucking believe it went there.
1: I'm right there with you, Arnie.
3: I think this trailer is here to set your expectation so you don't go, what the fuck, when they end up bringing in a space storyline.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's actually teasing things. Pay attention to this, because there actually will be a man in an iron mask. It won't be played by Leonardo DiCaprio, but there will be a space station. All of this stuff... Is exactly what they'd want to make if they had any money left over after this disaster to make it. But yeah, we get a grindhouse trailer that to me, yeah, you say Jason X, but I'm thinking of all those Star Wars ripoffs that came out in like '78, '79, or whatever. Corman's Battle Beyond the Stars or Buck Rogers Ice Pirates. No, that was Ooh. like eight years later. Well,
3: yeah, still bad.
2: Yeah. Oh, it was bad. But no, I mean, like, when we see the Justin Bieber bleep, I'm like, that's tweaky. That's... Yeah,
1: that's an obvious joke.
2: Yeah, and I
3: gotta say, the Justin Bieber joke, I'm like, that's a little bit too obvious. I did like Leonardo DiCaprio's The Man in the Iron Mask. First of all, because Leonardo DiCaprio does such strange films, he he might show up in a Robert Rodriguez thing. And second, <laughs> he
2: played the Man in the Iron Mask... Right. Is this a diss against Mel? We're actually going to find out this is Mel's fate, but I- I'm sure he could get Mel back. And that was what was interesting to me. Jacob, you said
3: you don't remember this coming out. I remember the trailers. And this was a very weird time because 2013, Charlie yeah. Sheen was winning with mm-hmm. his gold teeth and his hookers and his feud about two and a half men.
1: And secretly paying extortionist.
3: <laughs> yes, that's true, too. We now know. But... He was in this and Mel Gibson, the pariah, was being brought back in the film. It was there was a lot of, in my mind, controversial casting choices here.
1: Yeah, I haven't kept up on Mel Gibson, but there's only two films that I think he's done since that whole incident. Sugar tits. Yeah, sugar tits, all that. And it's it's machete kills, which, okay, obviously he's the bad guy. And then there's this really bad drama. I think it's supposed to be a comedy, The Beaver. Yes. Yes. It's
2: such a strange movie. Like,
1: those are his two comeback
2: films. Jennifer Lawrence is in it. It's amazing.
1: Oh, is she? I yeah. barely remember that film.
2: Yeah, you, there's a reason. Yes, exactly. Everyone knew it was a comedy except Jodie Foster, who thought it was, I don't know, her big indie drama about a dysfunctional family.
3: Can she do comedy? She was dramatic and freaky Friday.
2: Yeah, no, she can't really direct, but uh, <laughs> I that's a subject for another time. Mel Gibson, yeah, it's been a long time since anyone's seen him, and what's he going to do? What's all of these people going to do collectively here? It is easy to see that the money was spent, you know, $20 million it was to get all of these elements in place. What's he going to do with it? Well, yeah, after we get through this trailer, we get the movie. And Arnie, I think you should give him the plot.
3: In The Times' is the last film, Machete, played by Danny Trejo, and girlfriend Sartana, Jessica Alba, rode off into the sunset to apparently fight Mexican drug cartels. Didn't see that coming, but when they try to interrupt a military sale of arms to the cartels, Sartana finds them selling a nuclear missile. She's killed for her discovery, but then the President of the United States, played by Carlos Estevez, otherwise known as Charlie Sheen.
2: (laughs) Best joke in the whole movie.
3: Introducing Carlos Estevez. Calls Machete personally. The president will wipe out Machete's record and give him U.S. citizenship if Machete goes into Mexico and stops Marcos Mendez, the terrorist who plans to use the missile to nuke Washington, D.C. Machete agrees and hooks up with ancient Blanca Vasquez, played by Amber Heard, who helps him get into Mexico. There, he has to meet a young prostitute, Cereza, played by Vanessa Hudgens who can lead Machete to Mendez. But that makes Machete a target for homicidal, man-hating Madame Desdemona, played by Sofia Vergara, who takes her cadre of killer horrors, including Spy Kids Alexa Vega, to hunt Machete. Cereza leads Machete to Mendez's base, and there they discover Mendez is an ex-secret agent who suffers from multiple personality disorder, which was caused by watching his family be tortured and killed. But one of Mendez's personalities is a psychopath who wants to nuke the US. So he partnered with the missile's creator, Luther Vaz, played by Mel Gibson. And to ensure success, Mendez has wired the detonator to his heart. If he dies, the missile will be launched. Machete decides he has to get Mendez back to the States where somebody can disarm the trigger, but they're attacked by Desdemona's crew as well as by the hitman called The Chameleon, played by Walton Goggins, Cuba Gooding Jr., Lady Gaga, and Antonio Banderas at various times of the movie. But then Zaror, one of Mendez's henchmen who was killed by Machete, seemingly comes back from the dead to murder Mendez and shoot Machete, taking him hostage to meet Vaz. And there, Vaz explains his plan to nuke the world while he and his chosen ones start rebuilding the human race on a space station. And he wants Machete to be cloned for help to start this race. But Machete is saved by Luz, played by Michelle Rodriguez, who, what, she returned to the set for two days just to hang out? Just like everyone
1: else. She had Fast and the Furious movies to make by this point.
3: (laughs) And Luz says the only one who can stop the bomb is Osiris Amanpour. Who, if you don't remember from the last movie, is the mercenary who killed Machete's brother, played by Tom Savini. But between the films, Osiris has found God and become a priest himself, so he agrees to help Machete. And then we get a really big fight, loses other eye is shot out, and then she's frozen in carbonite and taken to Vaz's spaceship. I'm not getting confused with our Star Wars retrospective. We'll get to this. Vaz is a big fan. He is. He has a land speeder. Perhaps you listened to the podcast. And the missile does fire, but Machete rides it like he's in Dr. Strangelove and disarms it in midair. But Vaz has escaped with Luz and gone to a space station, and on the beach where the missile crashes, the President arrives to ask Machete to go into space after Vaz, which Machete agrees to do as credits roll.
2: Okay, so last week, I understood what I was watching. (laughs) It it was Charles Bronson, 70s grindhouse movie, but with a Mexican flair. We've really jumped several sharks here. I mean, this is, I guess it's James Bond, or perhaps it's Austin Powers.
3: I'm still thinking it's Jason, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're going to rip off something straight from Austin Powers.
2: But the scope's much bigger here. I mean, he's like a big international spy now. We had now have a machete that's going to be contacted by the U.S. president that's going to travel with immunity across country lines. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's basically James Bond. He's a ninja here at the beginning.
1: Yeah, what confuses me is that wall that they were all fighting to not have built is now built in this film. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, yeah, it didn't go that way. I mean, I kind of like that detail, the continuity, who would have guessed?
3: (laughs) I just figured this took place in the future with Trump as president.
1: Yeah, only Trump could get it built that fast.
2: (laughs) And get Mexico to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) And to
3: build it, which is in this movie, they say. But this opening is not where I saw Machete going. He did not seem like the kind of person to seek out adventure in the last film. We saw him, all he wanted to do was pay for his burrito, so he entered a fight in which he never threw a punch, you know? He was happy to be a day laborer. That was the whole joke of the Machete trailer, is he thinks he's going to have to do septic work or lawn work, and he's hired to do an assassination. Trouble finds Machete. That should be the, the ritual. That should be how they begin. So yeah, to have him start off here where he is a active character Going after the cartels and acting like a super spy with his girlfriend. Well, I know when you date someone, they change you. But man, he got changed a lot.
1: Yeah, I thought he wrote off with Sartana in the last film to become a legend. And like she was joining him. And They were going to help, I don't know, people cross the border. It, is he working for ICE
2: now? They are trying to stop the U.S. military from selling weapons to some drug cartels. Which kind of reminded me of Planet Terror Plot. I suppose so, yes. I, I'm not, I don't think this is a mistake if you agree to the premise that we need more machete. I don't know what <laughs> they could do with the character as written. You're right, Arnie. He was a reticent, man with no name character. It was much more of a Western or a revenge film last time. Now, if we're going to build a whole trilogy and maybe more then he's got to do more. He's got to make decisions and want things.
3: I suppose that's one way to look at it. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think he could be the one who constantly wanders into trouble. And I just think having him start off here, and they've really changed him, because now, all of a sudden, he's immortal. He is a god. He can... I thought it was going to be a one-time joke. He sticks his machete in an electrical box and grabs the guy by the throat, and he is the conduit for the electricity, where Machete is unharmed, but the other guy dies. But no, a premise of this film that's going to be carried throughout, you can hang him, you can shoot him, Machete is immortal. That is a strange twist, and removes... I said the last film worked as an action film because there was a bit of suspense. Machete had to fight for his life. Now he doesn't have to fight for his life. I think he could be drawn and quartered and still get up and say only a flesh wound.
2: Ah, now I'm understanding. You saw the movie last week as an action movie, so this is throwing you. I'm like, no, it was always a big comedy. I mean, to me, it's just a bigger comedy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of the way, I mean, even if you're looking at it as an action film, it's the way that John McClane goes from what you see in that first Die Hard to the guy that has no problem walking through Chernobyl and being thrown from helicopters and, and walking off with a couple of scratches. And if
3: you listen to those reviews two years ago, I hate those later films where he's doing that.
1: Fair enough, but I'm on Stewart's side. This is the joke of it. Yeah. Like when he's being hung and he's not dying, and they're like, oh, he just has a really thick neck. It's funny. It's fine. Yeah. I'm not uh, upset that he's not dying.
2: Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's a betrayal. <laughs> I I guess I don't I can't be betrayed by Machete. I have no expectations for him. I just see it as kind of more of the same only louder. To me this feels very
3: different from the get go. This is as big a misstep as Spy Kids 3D was in that
2: franchise.
1: (laughs) Only you get that reference. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but you're
2: probably right. Hey, our millennial listeners get it. So you're telling me you don't like the idea that they're going to make him a single man? I think that that was wise. Get rid of... sartana here in the opening although i thought she was coming back i gotta say the whole movie i really did believe that jessica alba was gonna somehow at some point pop up again and who knows maybe if they made a third movie she would have but they take her out of the story they make they reset machete so that he is back to the way he was really when he was we first find him
3: yeah i felt two things about this first I didn't understand why bring Alba back at all at first. I'm like, Machete needs to meet new women.
2: Machete don't do monogamy? Does Machete do Ashley Madison? That's what I want to (laughs) know.
3: Machete does (laughs) grinder. Whoa. (laughs) But... Killing her, I'm like, okay, that does make sense. We don't want her to stick around this whole movie. We had that relationship last time. And it is doing exactly what the last film did. Pre-credits, you kill the woman he loves, so he's in a
2: rage and wants to get you back. So it is a replay of that. Yes, she's playing the wife role. Did she not want to be in this movie? Was this like a favor to even come back and do these, what had to be, what, two days of work?
3: There was not a whole lot in the way of bonus features. No. And everybody who came back just talked about how much they like to work with Robert Rodriguez. But what you said in the last movie, and when we were discussing Planet Terror, you really hit something home. These people are only on set for a couple days, and there might not be any of their co-stars around them. We mostly see them from the back or from far angles, and then a few insert shots close up. So nobody was here long, except for Danny Trejo, Mel Gibson, and... A couple of actors I don't know who are Hispanic actors that don't work much in American cinema.
2: Yeah, I agree that when you see the lineup of this cast, when you have the opening credits, you're like, oh, my God, how did they get all these people <laughs> together? Well, they got them together for two days. They didn't get them together. They just got them for two days. And we just have sort of a this whole movie feels like a string of cameos.
1: It's a movie 43.
2: Yeah, we we literally have one character that every scene they change their look And so it just feels like, oh, we're just kind of riding it as we go along. And yeah, if you can just come by this weekend, we'll shoot a bit and and you'll be in the movie too. I certainly didn't know what they were going to do for Charlie Sheen, but... uh, I knew he was playing the president.
3: I knew that from the ads. It's irony. And yet it's fitting because his father played the president in the West Wing for so many years, and in The Dead Zone, which Books and Nachos is coming out real soon of, (laughs) his father was trying to become president, and he was the president's aide in an American president, and he really is looking like his father again, and so I thought that was kind of on-the-nose casting.
1: And I think he has one of the best presidential names since President Camacho from Idiocracy. You know, here we got President Rathcock. And that's the level of jokes you're going to get in this film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> Neither of us laugh. <laughs> that is the joke. Rathcock and Charlie Sheen, and he knows Machete invites him to come in, right into the Oval Office, hang out. Yeah, but it was
3: the Southwest Wing.
2: Yes. But the threat, the, the mission is stop this madman Mexican that's got a nuke pointed. I think he only has one missile, and it's pointed at Washington, which probably means that Charlie Sheen should get out of Washington, just in case Machete doesn't make it. But for whatever reason, this is the awkward premise of this naked gun comedy. And his contact to get him across the border is a beauty pageant contestant, Miss Texas. Sandra Bullock did this much better.
1: You know what? I'm so disappointed in Amber Heard. I, I don't know if you've seen Drive Angry. She co-stars with Nicolas Cage. She is so fucking hot in that movie
3: yes oh and she God. kicks ass Yes, like, she's amazing in that movie i love her in that movie
1: i was excited when i'm like oh great amber heard's in this and she doesn't even look that good as miss san antonio here thank
3: you thank you i said that to my wife and she's like why because she doesn't look trashy i'm like no that's not it there's something they just made her not as pretty
2: I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else, so I don't have any frame of reference. She's got the generic, like beauty pageant look.
1: Yeah, that I don't know. She's got a certain look. I I don't know. Maybe a little trashy, but she she's kick ass in that Drive Angry film, and so I was dis- I was excited when she was in here. And you know, one thing we should call out with the last Machete film, you know, with the Grindhouse films, they they did all the scratched. Film stock and all that. They did that for the opening scene in Machete. Here a Machete Kills, they've dropped that, but they do have their one, I guess, Grindhouse joke is when Machete gets with Miss mm-hmm. San Antonio, Texas, they put on your 3D glasses for the sex scene. Yeah, what a cock tease. I mean. Yeah, they did that before, though.
3: Yeah, yeah. They did that in Grindhouse, both movies.
1: Yes. They always lose those reels when you're going to get to the good stuff.
3: I think Itchy from the holiday special stealing them.
2: They do have a little hint here. We'll find out this character is not necessarily working. I don't want to call him the good guy. Not working for President Charlie Sheen. (laughs) She has a vase of flowers there from V, which we will find out is Vaz, Mel Gibson's character. So it's the first hint that she's playing two sides.
3: And you know what? I didn't even pick that up because it's just such a quick insert. I guess that's something repeat viewings would reward if you decided to repeat the viewing.
2: (laughs) You bought the disc. (laughs) Screw me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they, she flies him over the border. I, I think he could have figured out a way anyway, but yes, it gives him a little nookie action before he's dropped off. And that's when you really get it, right? He's having sex. He's on a mission from the president. This is, this is James Bond. This is a different exploitation attack, really. It's, if the movie feels different, it's because it's going to have the sweep and scope of a 007 film.
1: Yeah, there, there's more traveling here. I Again, I don't know why they make such a big deal about getting over that wall. Like, they really drive that point home in this film to, I guess, get this to a feature-length time. Which, I gotta say, once again, just like the last one, this one goes too long. You, you gotta get it down to, like, 80 to 90 minutes at the most for an exploitation film.
3: I agree 100%. And, in addition to being too long, this gets convoluted as hell.
1: I don't know what happens with all these prostitutes. Yes. Explain it to me. It
3: is very confusing. I had to really like rewind a couple of scenes to figure this all out, but he has to go here in order to find the Vanessa Hudgens whore so that she'll lead him to Mendez. Is Mendez her her lover or her father?
2: Her lover. Okay.
1: Okay, yeah, I thought it was a father-daughter thing too, Stuart.
2: There was some kind of connection, and yes, I'm not sure what it is, but again, string of cameos. They just really wanted to get Vanessa Hudgens in here.
3: Yeah, Desdemona was Ceresa's mother, but I understood Mendez to be her lover, and they were really in love, which is why when he has her killed, it's supposed to be tragic.
2: Yes. Machete's been given a contact, who's gotten him over a border to meet a contact, who's going to bring him to the contact. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of plotting. But why do we have Modern Family comedian, who I do like on that show, uh, with missiles shooting out of boobs and screaming?
1: Which was a joke ripped off of austin powers which was already a parody of something else
2: yeah i again why why is she so angry
3: yeah it's not explained she's just a man hater she has an SM scene where she talks about how men have wronged her yeah and so she likes to kill men and she's after machete because he took vanessa Hutchins away who's her daughter and he's she's also upset because he didn't pay for his time with vanessa Hutchins. i mean it's yeah, all kinds of convoluted. I also like Sofia Vergara. I think her Pepsi ads are amazing. Her purse <laughs> ads are amazing. And especially the Knights of Prosperity short lived TV show. That's where I first saw her work. It's a star Donald in an ensemble cast. She was incredible in that much better than ever in Modern Family. But I think she's gotten
2: stuck in modern family roles Mm -hmm. because
3: all she can do is not speak right and yell.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You feel like she wants to attack Ed O'Neill and it is, (laughs) it it is not a stretch for her to do this other than she gets to wear these bustiers or whatever with missiles and all, which, uh, yeah, you're right. It feels like Austin Powers. It, It is again telling us James Bond parody.
1: Yeah. I do like that. They bring back, Sex machine's cock gun.
3: Yeah, putting it on her. That's the third time for Rodriguez. Desperado from Dusk Till Dawn, and now here it is again.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: Desperado had it. You like that repeating. To me, I feel like he's running out of jokes here. She even has like a pussy speech. I mean, I'm like, boy, you don't know what else to do, do you? I was surprised, honestly, that her name was not
3: Santanica Pandemonium. Yes. (laughs) I mean... I went back to double-check the name of the brothel. The fact that it wasn't the titty-twister was a little shocking.
2: Well, yeah. Oh, you're right, yeah. It, it is over the border. The other one was, too. Yeah, it could have been. You're right. They could have kept it that way.
3: I mean, they didn't have to have vampires. Maybe they all died in the movie.
2: Yeah, that might have been a little confusing. And
3: He was probably planning the TV show for Elvray by this point, anyway. Maybe that's the, half the problem, is he's had his mind on his network.
1: I'll say this. I This film has kind of been eh, whatever, like, I've been going along with it, haven't really made up my mind, uh, is this recommendable, not recommendable? But when we get to Marco Mendez, I like this character. I don't know who this actor is. He's so much more fun than Machete. Like, the whole, I guess the joke of Machete is he's always just so glum, even, you know, when he's getting hot pussy. But Marco Mendez, the this whole dual personality thing, I don't, I like this.
2: Yeah, Damien Bashir, he was up for an Oscar. Yeah, he he pops up in little roles. and He's in Hateful Eight, though. Yeah, he is. Okay. And so is Walter Goggins.
3: Everybody stays in the Tarantino-Rodriguez <laughs> family.
2: Yeah, no, I think Rodriguez thought he could get Leo. I'm like, no, he don't like you like that. He just wanted to do Django. <laughs> Sorry, he ain't doing no machete theory.
3: You may have his curiosity, but you do not have his attention. <laughs> I actually am going to go the other way, Jacob. It's around the time that we meet Mendez and his multiple personality disorder that I start getting really confused about what's going on here. I would have preferred him as just the crazy bad guy, but the fact that he has so many personalities inside of him and he's a, you know, kind of a weepy good guy pussy and then he's this maniacal crazy guy and then he's a secret agent who can pull out these moves. I'm just having trouble... Keeping straight, there's so many characters being thrown at me, and none matter, including Mendez, that it's really just throwing me.
1: Oddly, Mendez makes the most sense to me, even though, yes, he is a confusing character. He has this whole backstory similar to Machete, where he lost his family. He was an agent. It drove him crazy. So sometimes he's cartel, sometimes he's a revolutionary. But I think what I like about him is this is the first time I feel like there's danger or or tension in this plot like we find out he has hooked up that missile to his heart So if he dies, that missile goes off, so Machete's got to get him back over the border, keep him alive, there's a bounty put on him. Like, I I feel like for the first time, there's conflict here, there's drama, it's not just Invincible Machete running around killing people.
2: Well, here's the thing, is I forgot about Mel Gibson, I forgot that there was a bigger bad, so I thought this was our Bond villain, and I'm like, oh, he's got the cool lair with the Aztec temple, and he's got a missile and a plot and all of that. So yeah, when it becomes, we got to get him over the border to the people that that wired his heart, I was like, oh, okay. This is not the story I thought we were going to get. And then when we find out that, yeah, this road trip is got not only the hookers trying to kill Machete, but some other assassin? Who hired the chameleon?
1: I don't know who hired the chameleon, but I love the chameleon. He wasn't
3: hired. They just put out a bounty on Machete's head.
1: Okay, so he was just answering the bounty.
3: I don't understand his MO at all, because... He changes masks, but if somebody so much as asks him for directions, he feels that identity must be burned, and so he can become somebody else. Whereas the whole point of the mask is so you could just walk around anonymous, right? It's when you do something illegal and are seen breaking the
1: law. You're overthinking all of this. It's the joke.
3: There needs to be a logic. I need a logic.
1: Yeah, you see, you've see, you seen my face. I must kill you. And then he takes his face. I I think that is the joke. It's playing on the trope that of the murder. It Wasn't that in Twins like the bad guy would kill anyone that saw his face? And here he could just take his face off, but he's still going to kill you. And the whole point is, what Cool celebrity cameo or funny celebrity cameo are we going to get next?
2: And again, keep in mind, he, uh, he has Lady Gaga on the hook, but probably only for a couple days. I mean, all these people are busy. Even Cuba Gooding is probably going to go off and do some TV movie or some god-awful comedy with Snow these, dogs Three, uh, Dogs or aliens or something. So, yeah, he, he's taking a negative and turning it into a positive. Oh, you're only giving me five days? Well, I'm going to have a character where, you know, every couple of minutes they're going to... Change their facade. It's a Mission Impossible joke, too. I do feel like the ripping off the mask and all, it had become sort of a parody thing in spy movies at this point, that that people had these identities that you could just, yeah, oh, all of a sudden rip, and I'm a woman.
3: I like that gag. I like Cuba Gooding Jr. I've always liked Cuba Gooding Jr., and I guess somebody showed him the money to show up here for a day
2: or two. You've always liked Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yeah, I've always liked Cuba. That's an outrageous statement.
1: Snow Dogs. You've seen Snow Dogs?
2: You know how many horrible movies he's done? Show Factor? Boat Trip? Okay, that doesn't mean I don't like him. I
3: may not like all of his movies. What movies do you like that he made? I He's terrible. Boys in the Hood, <laughs> Judgment Night, Jerry Maguire, As Good As It Gets, What Dreams May Come. I really like Rat Race. Oh my god, What Dreams May Come. Conversation over. He, he wasn't bad in Norbit, but that movie was bad. Come on, radio? He was the best part of Pearl Harbor?
2: God, these are terrible <laughs> movies.
3: I like him. He's a charismatic actor. He makes shit movies after that Oscar. And before. <laughs> Beforehand, Boat Trip is an underrated comedy classic. It's underrated? Oh, yeah, because people oh, say it sucks. Why isn't
1: it in the book then?
3: Yeah. <laughs> because I forgot all about it, even though it was nominated oh. for several Razzies. Yeah, Kuba Gooding is a presence that I always enjoy seeing on screen, okay? he I have always liked this actor. I think he deserved that Oscar for Jerry Maguire, and I enjoyed seeing him here. I wished he was a bigger part. When I saw him in the opening credits, I was hoping he was like a main character, but no, he's just one of the chameleon's multiple personalities here. I guess, is that a theme going on here, is that people have multiple
2: personalities? <laughs> Well, it is that's a nice way of putting it. You could say that yes, that's that's an idea that's being worked throughout this premise or you could say that Robert Rodriguez is or I should say the screenwriter, because Robert Rodriguez didn't even write this. Somebody named Kyle Ward wrote this, that I don't even know who that is, but I have to believe that they met with Robert Rodriguez's script and story ideas. At any rate, it could be a failing of creativity. I'm not sure which. All I can say is is that I always feel like Every couple minutes, characters trade out. You know, we had Vanessa Hudgens for a while, and then five minutes later, she's shot, thrown out in a, a helicopter, and no more of her. We have this cool Bond henchman, and then Machete gets a Swiss Army Machete and kills him, and I think he's gone from the story.
3: And that Machete is so Jason X, right? When he gets his special space knife... Or it's a cue
1: machete.
2: I have no idea. Why do you keep bringing up Jason X? That's all that kept coming to mind every watching watching this.
1: Because <laughs> we're going to space.
2: I don't want to think about Jason
3: X. I don't either, but this movie's making me. Although I actually kind of like that film.
2: And they did cut a lot out. A lot of the deleted scenes are the scenes of trying to get Mendez to the border. There was a lot more of this in the deleted scenes. I did watch the stuff that was filmed and not completely finished And it was a lot of on the road with Mendez as he goes through his personalities and just a lot of patter, not really any plot developments. I mean, they they were right to cut them, but uh, they wanted it to feel more like a road trip. and, And I guess, you know, they didn't know how long the movie was going to be.
3: Yeah, I watched those scenes. The last thing this movie needed is to be 20 minutes longer. And there wasn't a single scene I saw and went, wow, if that had been reinserted, I'd have appreciated it.
1: It's too bad to hear that those scenes weren't any good because I like the Mendez stuff so much. When he ends up getting shot, like, I feel like, that really, like, 50 minutes in, Mendez is out of the film, and this film's gonna take a wildly different direction I, where it totally loses me. I was kind of going with it because I liked his character so much. I thought this film was gonna be about stopping that bomb that was hooked up to him. Nope, that's gonna end right here, and it we're gonna get really weird now once Mel Gibson enters...
3: I agree with you that this is where the movie becomes extraordinarily strange. I was really kind of going with it, even though I was a little confused up to this point. But I think killing him is a great twist. I mean, I always knew that Marion died in Psycho, but I guess that was a huge shock to audiences back then. This was as big a shock to me because I thought he was going to be the big bad. I also forgot about Mel Gibson by this point. And so when he comes in and is killed right away, I'm like... That is extraordinarily shocking. When he gets beheaded, I'm, I, that is not what I expected. This movie had my complete attention.
1: Even more shocking is Machete actually dies. He's not invincible.
2: Yeah, exactly. They, do, they go to a sci-fi realm here, but it doesn't feel so dissociated from James Bond. James Bond was known in its crazier installments, Die Another Day Moonraker, to do some of these moves. That he wakes up in some life-preserving tank, and we find out that this tech guy, basically, they're just saying that Mel Gibson can invent anything. And so, yes, he's able to bring Machete back from the dead, and he becomes the obvious villain to be... Dealing with for the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, this is where it just it gets so bizarre now. Like we find out Vaz, Mel Gibson's character, he went out in space. He, I guess, is basically Richard Branson. I, I think Richard Branson has like some sub space private planes that he could go on. But Vaz goes out to space, has some kind of incident, he calls it, where you can see the future they do, what is it, the bionic man Mm -hmm. noise whenever he's sensing something, and so now he knows he, I guess this whole thing is he's wanted to get Machete. He knows he needs Machete for this ultimate plan whatever it is.
2: I don't know, it's a little confusing. I'm not sure what Machete's role is. I think he just likes Machete. He cloned a really cool badass named Zara and Zara got beaten by Machete, so now he wishes he has Machete instead of Zara as a henchman, I think. I think he just wants an upgraded henchman. But I don't think he has some elaborate plan for Machete later. I didn't get that sense anyway.
3: I got that he kind of wanted Machete not just to be cloned for bodyguards, but to help father the Master Race.
1: Oh, interesting. You you, you think he was going to let the Master Race be half, what, Hispanic? That's kind of interesting to me, is
3: that they have Mel Gibson, who... Is not exactly
1: known for his racial sensitivity.
3: Thank you. That's a great way of putting it. I was going to say you know, yeah, something to that effect. And yet he's playing a character named Luther Vaz who wants a Mexican to be the savior of humanity. It's maybe it's Mel Gibson trying to do a PR move and say, see, I, I don't really hate everybody of different colors.
2: Well, I don't know how much creative involvement Mel Gibson had. Mel Gibson showed up, and Mel Gibson did what he had to do. And you know what? He looks like he's having fun here.
1: Yeah, he's he's glad to be acting again.
2: Yeah, well, the surprise is, when I think of Mel Gibson, I'm thinking, oh, is it going to be brooding, angry? There's those two Mel's, but this is definitely bird-on-a-wire Mel. This is the frivolous, fun Mel. This is, you would be thinking about Lethal Weapon watching him here. I think that he is... I've never been a fan, so I can't get that excited about it, but I think he does what he does well. I think he reminds you what about him we liked.
3: I'll agree with that. I have been a Mel Gibson fan. There was a period in the 90s where I would see any movie because he was in it, except for Bird on a Wire.
1: (laughs) I've even seen Bird on a Wire. (laughs) I
2: didn't see that one either. I just brought it up because it stank, and I just... I like throwing it out, that he was made it.
3: And yes, I understand that there's a couple Mel's. There's the uber-serious Mel, but then there's Mel when he's having fun. There's the later Lethal Weapon Mel's, where he looks like he's happy to be on set, even if the movie's no good. And then there's Braveheart, which is overly self-important and dramatic. And
2: Man with no face, or whatever that shit was.
3: Oh, that one was pretty bad, too. Yeah. and And his Hamlet. Let's not even talk about that. But... <laughs> I liked Mel. It was hard for me to get over the meta knowledge I had about the actor. But after about 15, 20 minutes in this movie, I stopped thinking about that and was just enjoying the performance he was giving as Voss.
2: Yeah, I think he works and and I'm glad that we have more time with him than really anybody else in this cast. I do feel like the cyclical nature of, of bringing characters in and out Uh, However fun you might have enjoyed seeing Walter Goggins or Lady Gaga or or whoever, Mendez, I I think ultimately it hasn't helped the flow of this movie to not have consistent characters.
1: The thing that confuses me about Vaz is we see he has all these inventions like in that trailer for Machete Kills Again in Space. You know, he's going to get a lightsaber machete, but he's got this thing called a molecule blast. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't don't use that. It doesn't work. It turns everything inside out. That sounds like an awesome weapon.
3: It sounds to me like Galaxy Quest when yeah. that it, tur- it came in inside out and exploded. Yeah, of course we knew that weapon was going to be used. There's no way it wasn't, but...
1: Yeah, at this point, Machete turns down Vaz's offer and Luce shows up. Like, where's she been this whole film?
3: She was only there for a couple of days. We got to see one shot of her in the food truck again.
1: Yeah.
2: They've gone high-tech. She has kind of become she, I think. She has become the myth that she created.
1: I thought it was funny that like they're like, oh, look, aliens are abducting illegal aliens. They're wondering where all the gardeners have gone, and they see them getting beamed up into space.
3: This is where, all of a sudden, I'm really confused. When did we get into sci-fi? I mean, (laughs) I heard about the gun that turned people inside out. I saw the Brazier machine gun. Didn't you hear Vaz was a Star Wars fan? I did, and he was driving around in this kick-ass land speeder, which after The Force Awakens, I'm like, where can I get one of those to drive to work? But...
1: I was disappointed it was just a golf cart. I thought it would actually hover.
3: I was just a little bit confused as to what was going on in this movie. You said James Bond, Stuart. Now I realize we're in Moonraker.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're going for the more outlandish James Bond elements. And truly, once we get going here, we're even... I'm not saying they're ripping it off, but this movie is strangely similar to Kingsman. You know, the whole plot of we're going to have this elite group of people watching the rest of the world burn. I mean, I do feel like a lot about this is the same thing as Kingsman. And yet I don't like this movie nearly as much as I like Kingsman. Why? Why is that? Am I racist?
1: (laughs) Well, no, what's weird is they just drop elements of the story here. Like all of a sudden we find out, oh, not just Mendez had a bomb. Like every world leader has a bomb strapped to him.
2: And that goes nowhere. Like, why doesn't those bombs go off?
1: I don't know. President Rathcock says at the end, oh, Machete, we got your message. And all those bombs were diffused.
2: Maybe Robert Rodriguez did write this and then wanted uh, Alan Smithy it. I don't know.
3: <laughs> no, I understand he contributed to the story, but he didn't have time to write
2: it himself. So,
1: Sounds like the writer didn't have time to finish writing it either. <laughs>
2: You know, but again, with big, broad comedies, I don't ask a lot of why questions. I know you do, Arnie. I know you like plausibility in all things. But if you were laughing hard, I don't think it would be a problem. It sounds to me like you're not laughing.
1: No, what what are the jokes
3: here? Yeah, that's exactly my question. It seems like they're just trying to get by by being a little over the top. A lot over the top, I should say. But I'm not getting the jokes. There's not a set of rules that by breaking them you become funny the more outlandish they get the more next time they do that i'm like and
1: yeah well i mean at one point voz tells everyone to take off their clothes so they're in their spacesuits and they're silly looking spacesuits, and everyone kind of looks at each other embarrassed but it's not funny it's not it's not even a joke really you just put them in bad costumes Okay, well, I'm, I'm curious because
2: Arnie, I think out of all of us, was the one that was most up on the movie last week, and now you're just kind of getting it at a higher concentrate, and it sounds like it's way too much. All of a sudden, you seem to be liking it the least. I'm not finding
3: the jokes funny. This feels like a totally different movie than I got last time. Last time was an over-the-top actioner, but nothing more outrageous than... Jean-Claude Van Damme when he was taking himself seriously. Here, these jokes, this entire premise, it's very confusing to me. Danny Trejo is not bringing the same charisma I usually associate to his roles. What? He, I feel, is out of place here. Every scene, he looks like he walked into the wrong set. He's constantly looking around like, what am I doing here?
1: Yeah, I do feel the same way. Like, he doesn't quite get why he's in this movie. Like, why is Machete in this movie? Like Antonio Banderas works so much better. Like, I love the joke where he walks out. We get a callback to those Minutemen that guard the border, and he's, you know, it's Antonio Banderas, and they take him for a Mexican. He's like, no, I'm, I'm from Canada. Oh, he's Canadian and Mexican, (laughs) double illegal. Like that stuff works but yeah machete doesn't work in this film. Everything else is almost working for me except the title character.
2: Yeah now that's funny that yeah you Arnie this whole time is like he's such a badass. he's so great. I'm like, I don't know. he's always the same to me. I guess I haven't cared about Trejo so ever really. So you may be right and I'm just not noticing it but to me it just feels like more Trejo.
3: He just isn't bringing the same confidence to the role. I'm not buying him.
2: But it's so flat. You know what I mean? Like, are you wishing that he was more menacing or killing more people? I wish he was
3: more in control. I wish he felt like the badass assassin last time who couldn't do anything wrong. Instead, we get machete, don't tweet. I mean, they're replaying the best jokes from last time. And we're like, yeah, we heard that before when machete, don't text. And then the new jokes they're adding aren't working, and there's so much chaos going around. It's like they're trying to make Machete the straight man, but Trejo doesn't know quite how to react with all the insanity around him. And so if Trejo's not having fun, Arnie's
2: not having fun. All right. Interesting. Okay. I did not notice a difference in his performance, nor do I feel like we're in in, a—I mean, I recognize we're in a different— configuration of the comedy than last week, but I feel like it's the same kind of jokes. Sometimes it's the same jokes, but I just feel like it's kind of more of the same, only bigger, broader. Some might say more badass by being more epic.
3: I don't think anybody would say that. I would like if any of our listeners find this to be more badass, come to our forums because I I don't see this as more epic. It's more crazy. It's more over the top. But I can't imagine anyone saying this is a badass film.
1: And and it's just more of the same. Like instead of Padre, now we have Osiris who has taken up the cloth and is wearing the collar. We have Luce who lost an eye in the last film. Now she's going to lose another eye. It, what's new here doesn't work, and what they're repeating, it's not funny this time.
2: All right, so you don't like the idea of a beauty queen who's actually smart and, you know, is actually evil, and...
1: I like that idea, but if I got Amber Heard from Drive Angry, I would have really liked Miss San Antonio, Texas.
3: Yeah, I absolutely love Miss Congeniality, the first one. So that joke works for me. What doesn't work for me is how Amber Heard is playing it here and what that character is given to do. The concepts, I have no problem with any of the concepts. It's all execution. So it's not like I have a problem with a smart beauty pageant contestant. I have a problem with this beauty pageant contestants
2: all right uh, it's just curious to me because yeah i definitely get the sense that i'm with two people that liked what they got last week and is not liking it now
1: i think i gave the last one the weakest recommend out of the three of us so man it wasn't even weaker
2: than mine i can tell you that i didn't care about the movie last week and i really don't care about this movie either but i don't know i'm not disliking it
3: I am actively disliking it by this point in the film.
2: I'm realizing that I'm exceptionally
3: bored. I was never bored during the first Michete. Oh, really? That last half hour? I felt it dragging, but I wasn't bored. But here...
1: Yeah, this sh- this shootout is even more boring than the last shootout that the film ended on. Like, yeah. we get the network, they're all caterers, at vases, blast off, and we're gonna get shooting, and we get... You know, Amber Heard versus Michelle Rodriguez. And we get Machete versus a Cantana again. But, you know, I I guess you get something different because he burns off Mel's face and he has to be the man in the Iron Mask.
2: Mel is much better than Steven Seagal. We can all agree on oh, that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes,
3: yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm just dumbfounded that we're getting some Machete in space. I mean, the fact that that trailer is coming true, the fact that Mel Gibson becomes the man in the Iron Mask or the man with no face. The fact that he has a space station. The fact that Luz gets frozen in carbonite. Even the Star Wars jokes aren't working for me entirely. I'm just because they feel so out of place. It's like, what movie am I watching that is going to start having Star Wars references like this all around? I mean, Just because the character likes Star Wars, well, guess what? So did John Lovitz in The Benchwarmers, but that doesn't make it a good movie.
2: (laughs) Now, is Mel Gibson wearing an iron mask or having an iron mask because he just has all the Lucador masks around? We will find out in this moment if we didn't know or, or, or care before that he was the one that killed Sartana and that he goes around sometimes as a mask killer.
1: Yeah, I don't know why he does the killing himself. I mean, he has a gang of Lucadores, which, uh, again, I like that. I like Lucha Libre mask, but I don't know why Mel Gibson's like going out and doing it when he's the head of this big space company.
2: Again, not to ask too many why questions, but yes, he does have a iron mask and he does put it over his face when Machete burns it off at some point with a flamethrower or something.
3: I've stopped asking why. Why is any of this going on? I don't know. I'm just having to absorb it and realize I'm not being entertained. I I did like the Amber Heard-Michelle Rodriguez
2: fight. Okay, I'm like, thank God. I'm like, there's no normalcy here. I'm like, you didn't like the chick fight? (laughs) I'm like, there's no way you didn't enjoy the chick fight. I didn't
3: realize it was the chick fight, but now that you mention it, yes. But I liked the crown being used as a weapon. I thought it was, all right. I'll give it this one badass moment is when Michelle Rodriguez lose has her second eye shot out and yet she still dominates in the fight just using her hearing. She is badass whereas
2: Machete is not. Is Robert Rodriguez stealing from Tarantino? This feels like a like a Kill Bill theft here. I feel like a lot of things are at this point.
1: Yeah, there's even a moment with the chameleon where he's like, say no say one more time, which is like, say what one more time? You know, with Jules. Yeah, I do feel like he's cribbing off Tarantino here. In the
2: same way that Tarantino thinks he's black, I think Robert Rodriguez thinks he's Tarantino. (laughs) Maybe it works for you. I just, I think that the, the disappointment I'm having with having now watched more Robert Rodriguez than I ever have before in the last couple months is that I just don't see a lot of variance here. This seems like a guy with a, an enormous amount of filmmaking talent. I think that he has thrift and where to place the camera and, and enthusiasm, but his ideas, I mean, it's all the same movie.
1: I'm actually surprised he directed this one. It doesn't feel like a Rodriguez film to me. Really? Maybe I mean, no, it it feels like someone wanting to do a Rodriguez film. And maybe that's because it's a different writer.
3: Yeah, I disagree completely that all his films feel the same. I think that when he does it right, there is a similar vibe. You know what you're getting when you get a good Rodriguez film. But there are times when Rodriguez feels missing from his own movies i would say the faculty is one of those i would say this is one of those so i think there's that he does have variance in quality i know i love some of his films and i know some of his films i consider to be god-awful and this one's leaning towards that latter category
1: huh okay yeah, it's not even creative how Machete saves the day against this missile. They do a Dr. Strange love joke, and he cuts the blue wire because Osiris says it's always the blue wire when it comes to bombs.
3: Yeah, I think he was joking as if, you know, we can either disarm the bomb or it's the blue wire, you know, and I think that wasn't supposed to be the case. But when push came to shove and he was riding the nuke and... I know everybody likes to reference Dr. Strangelove, but none can do it very well. I mean, Strangelove wins when you're riding the missile. And so here I'm like, all right, well, you're trying to reference a better movie and making me think I should be watching it.
1: That's saying something because I didn't think you liked that film. <laughs> better than this. Yeah, he does it. <laughs> I'm not saying I watch it all the
3: time. I've seen it a couple.
2: Yeah, he's saying he hates Machete Kills is what he said. <laughs> I know if he's giving that movie a compliment. How much he's disliking this.
1: <laughs> yeah, this film has no ending. Like, Vaz and his people, they go up to space. Luce is frozen in carbon. I guess this is the Empire Strikes Back. And President Rathcock tells Machete, hey, I need you to go to space. And is willing to go this time. He was kind of hesitant taking the job the, at the beginning of the film. But this time, he offers right away.
3: And then we get another trailer for Machete Kills in Space. Machete Kills again. And... I'll say the machete versus machete fight is something I would actually like to see, but the rest of this, God, they have Sofia Vergara coming back. They have Luz with a robotic eye.
1: Yeah, Lady Gaga's coming back.
3: Yeah, it's
2: no, they're not because they won't be able to get the money <laughs> to pay for them to come back.
3: Although I, you know what, Charlie Sheen might come back. Well, do we want it to return? Uh, I think we're pretty clear, but I'm a little curious on one of you. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Machete Kills? Jacob.
1: Yeah, I I had this experience watching this because this is my second time. I remember not liking it as much as the first one, and I'm watching this first 50 minutes, and I'm kind of digging. I'm like, man, this is just as good as the first one. And I remembered, oh, yeah, I had that feeling last time I watched this. But something happens. Mendez leaves the film, and this film just goes totally off the rails to me. Like, you take out the multiple personality schizophrenic, and then the film just gets crazier for some reason. And maybe it's because, yeah, it's all these cameos. It feels like a piecemeal film where it just... It never comes together and feels like an actual movie that I'm watching it. It feels almost like a bunch of SNL skits put together. And the jokes aren't as good as last time. Trejo isn't as good as last time. It's a not recommend. Stewart.
2: Yeah, it does feel like a string of cameos. It feels like a variety show, a a sketch comedy show. It feels like it was improvised, a game of telephone, in which they kind of just made it up as they went along. That said, I think if you like these people, if you liked Machete, I'm surprised to hear the, the grumbling that I'm hearing. I mean, I don't really care about Machete, so... I'm kind of in the boat of, I don't know, point the arrow wherever you want. To me, it's like an episode of Family Guy. That's a show everyone seems to like, but me... Strong not recommend. (laughs) Yeah, if you like Family Guy, see this movie. Do I have to give an arrow? I don't know. It feels like... You do have to give an arrow. It feels like it's full of self-mockery and self-referencing, and some people will really like it. Personally, if you're asking me, did I enjoy this movie? The answer is no. Very much no. I, I didn't like it i don't want any more but i could see some people being cool with it and i guess i thought i was on a podcast with some of those people and i am not so i'm not going to be the lone green arrow here no so there's no (laughs) there's no way i'm going to defend this movie so if you guys aren't going to do it i'm not going to take that stand it's a red arrow
3: i'm not going to belabor the point i've been pretty hard on this movie Throughout this entire podcast, I'll give it a couple of compliments. There are a few jokes in here that work for me. The beginning of the film is far better than the end. I did enjoy the mystery of who killed Jessica Alba and her career. I'm curious about both, but the more this movie went on, it just became too cluttered. I like your analogy, Jacob, about the series of cameos, but I could even go with that if there were a few less of them. If you could cut out Sofia Vergara, not that I dislike her specifically, but it seemed like that was one of three pieces too many going on. There either needed to be a tighter through line to this film or less going on and make what does go on better than it is. I'm, If this movie had been a fun ride for me for the first hour, I probably could have ridden along with the crazy sci-fi third half hour and 40 minutes or whatever. But it's a movie that I was so anxious for. Not so anxious I'd see it in theaters over gravity, but I really wanted to see this film... I'd been busy with Now Playing, so I hadn't gotten a chance to see this film. I was so happy that Now Playing was going to give me the chance to see this film. And I was on the last podcast like, not, don't just give me machete kills. Give me machete kills again, not knowing it was going to be in space. And now I'm like, done, done. Don't don't go back to this well. I like the first Come
2: one. Come on, the l series. You know he's going to milk it into something.
3: Yeah, you're right. I bet there will be a machete series.
1: Made for TV special.
3: I could see them doing that for TV. Cinco de Mayo. Yeah,
2: it could be fun.
3: I, I could see Charlie Sheen and Danny Trejo starring in it. It could be like MacGyver and Charlie Sheen could play the bald boss's role. But Don't leave out Nick Cage. <laughs> they can't afford him. Oh, they can afford him. They can't afford him. He has taxes to pay. <laughs> no, that's why he they can't afford him. He's still got a million dollar appearance fee.
1: Get Wesley Snipes so we can get a bunch of minorities in it. Make it the ultimate exploitation film. Mm-hmm. The exploitables. <laughs> I love it! <laughs> Green lit, go!
3: Listen, Robert Rodriguez, I'm not mad at you. I'm going to stick by you as a director I like, but I don't like all your films, and this is one I don't. So, Red Arrow, Machete killed my fandom.
2: Wow. They really screwed up then if you went from high recommend to I'd never want another machete in my life.
3: (laughs) You know, it's the sophomore slump. Sometimes there are those first movies that are so enjoyable and you think, oh, good sequel. And then you see it. And that's now what machete is for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, it was always best. When I look at this quote-unquote franchise, the best thing is that trailer. Just watch Grindhouse. You you don't need to watch the whole feature. They did a pretty good job of expanding on it for what they could do last week. And God knows, I don't know what you do for a sequel. They gave us something that, to me, felt competent or at least semi-watchable. I don't know, it... It was always kind of a crazy idea as a series, and I, I think it works best as a as a skit, as a joke. Well, the
3: joke is not yet over. We don't know what the future holds for Machete, but there was one more Grindhouse-based film made, Hobo with a Shotgun, yet another Grindhouse trailer, but kind of an unusual one, and we're going to be yeah. talking that next week. I've heard good things I haven't seen Hobo, but I, I I know it's like a cult favorite. I I know a lot of people on the Facebook page have been requesting a review of it. So as we have our donation drive with Tarantino draw to a close, we are going to finish
2: off with that. And if you need more Walter Goggins in your life, Hateful <laughs> Eight this
1: Friday. <laughs> what a segue! Well,
2: I hear he's an awesome part of the movie. I hear he's going to win for it. Really? Yeah, that's unexpected i'm i'm
3: actually more looking forward to sam jackson and
2: kurt russell Russell, yeah yeah no it's i've heard a lot of good things and all of gold platinum and silver will be available this friday with the last show of our fall 2015 january 2016 donation drive
3: one of those cases where the studio moved the movie, so we had to move our calendar a little bit. But the time is running short. If you want our reviews of Battle Royale, Hunger Games, any of the Tarantino films or any of the platinum Tarantino related films like Natural Born Killers, From Dust Till Dawn, Four Rooms, you only have until January 31st. We could really use your support during this time as we face another big year for the show, and we're going to be putting all these podcasts in the vault come January 31st, just a couple weeks left. So please head to nowplayingpodcast.com, click the banner at the top of the page, and if you can't do $10, if you can do 5 it would really go to help out this show. And all the superhero movies we have coming in just a few weeks and i want to thank everyone who's donated so far and hope you've enjoyed all the shows i know several donors have emailed me and said this is our best donation drive yet they found there were some surprises they weren't expecting in these shows and so hopefully last minute donors can join in the fun and so, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. I absolve you of all your sins. Now get the fuck out.
0: Yeah, poor
2: You know, I could kill you right now very easily. Believe me. But I know you'll just be waiting for me in hell. So, I think I'll say goodbye.
0: <sighs> Fuck it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. I bet you were a great cop. The best. modest, too. Don't forget, if you want to hear our review of the original Grindhouse, you only have till January 31st, 2016. That double feature review, as well as 19 other movie reviews, are available as a thank you to supporters of Now Playing. You can get reviews of all of the Quentin Tarantino films, Hunger Game films, Battle Royale films, plus True Romance, From Dusk Till Dawn, Four Rooms, and Natural Born Killers. Give me a DVD. My 100 supporters are going to like that a lot. Find details on how to get all those podcasts by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage, nowplayingpodcast.com.
3: Every Steve Pecker in my parlor
0: pays to play. No freebies. Your support is what keeps Now Playing operating. Our rightful citizens are hardworking Americans who earn their paychecks by the grit of their guts and the sweat of their brow. I don't want to change that. Yeah! You can also get reviews of 125 more movies in the first Now Playing Podcast book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. You can pre order the book, ebook, and audiobook now at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. All pre orders are autographed by all four authors.
2: It's been a groovy four years, but there is still so much left to accomplish.
0: In the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can hear reviews of hundreds of movies such as Rambo, The Transporter, The Avengers films, Batman, Superman, the James Bond movies, the Mission Impossible series, and more.
1: He's coming after
0: us. Oh. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast.
3: Do you even know how many hits I get on my website? I know all about what the online public wants. And they want me. All of me.
0: While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners.
3: Welcome to
2: the network. Watch it they don't
0: But Machete do follow NowPlaying on Twitter and Facebook, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. No, I can't make you do this. But I can make damn sure something happens to you if you don't. The link to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. I'm gonna text you a rendezvous point after my swimsuit competition. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. You know what? There's a big pile of shit in the back. You can go and clean that up, all right? Make sure you do a good job. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. I wasn't gonna kill it gonna shoot him in the neck, stop him from saying all these stupid things. Now Playing is not affiliated with the producers of these motion pictures. All movies discussed on Now Playing are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Somebody's gotta keep watch on this great nation of ours. Otherwise, Texas will become Mexico. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. You know me? <laughs> I know the legend. Maybe the legend's better. Now Playing is a Vingonza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated machete will return in machete kills and machete kills again in space
3: do you guys hear that I think it's on my end is the weird
1: thing I keep hearing what it's are they
3: like... telling you to do <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm on mute, so it's not on my end. No, no,
3: I think it's in my house. That's why I'm asking if you oh. guys are hearing it, because through the headphones,
1: Arnie, the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> Has someone like broken in or
3: no? It's it's this weird like woo sound, and I'm I'm wondering if it's being picked up on the mic,
2: but it's intermittent. Oh, I don't hear it. All right, well, like like a little Richard Woo There it or goes like again. a <laughs> woo, like a ghost like a electronic do the beep. woo we need to know I don't hear any woos I just want to hear all your inflections
1: his his house is he does have a ghost in his house so. alright
2: I'm gonna go investigate this beep because it's it's rather loud it sounds like an alarm going off so okay an alarm woo alright I, I was hoping I could get him to sing Good Golly Miss Molly but no avail I found the woo
3: it was my dishwasher alarm <laughs>
1: Are the dishes done?
3: <laughs> no, the problem is that like the door was left open, and so everything they were like, really
2: dirty. It was mad. <laughs> Woo! this is bad, <laughs> <dance time. laughs> All right, Harvey Corman is your dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> wash, spin,
3: wash, spin, wash, wash, spin. But that makes of a Schmidt. But that makes machete a target for homicidal man hating madam des But that makes <laughs> I mach-
2: see what you did to yourself. That's like a sentence I would write.
3: <laughs> but that makes machete a target for homicidal man hating Madame Desma- Desdemona. Desdemona. <laughs> 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 Try it again. Take twenty. Reminds me of when you used to write my plot for some reason because I ran out of time. <laughs> it's like I can't fucking say this. <laughs>
2: Just don't take a breath.
1: Now that was a whoop. Yeah, I heard that.
2: You heard what? I d I didn't hear shit.
3: No,
1: no. I don't know if it's a I thought it might be Stuart having a cop go by. It's like a cop that was about to get started and
2: then
3: <laughs> Ooh, ooh that's the sound of machete. <laughs> it's
1: the sound of your washing machine.
2: <laughs>
3: Just because the character likes Star Wars, well, guess what? So did John Lovitz in The Benchwarmers, but that doesn't make it a good movie.
1: I kind of like The
2: Benchwarmers from what I remember. God, why are you guys watching these movies? You have just named movies that I'm like, no one ever sees
1: those. I don't know. those. Just, like go out in the apron. Because there was nothing else on TV that night and that was playing. So yep. I watched it. Yep.
2: (laughs) I swear to God, there are, like, movies that, like, they're messages in a bottle. I know they exist. People, like, stick it there. They throw it in the ocean. I'm like, what? Someone actually found that bottle and read the note?
1: (laughs) Look, Stuart, (laughs) we weren't doing a book at the time. I didn't have 94 (laughs) movies to watch in three months.
3: Yes, exactly. I used to watch movies for fun. Bench
2: warmers, though. Why would anyone go near them? Anyway.
3: Hey, I'll watch anything with Rob Schneider. I usually will find it awful, but I'll watch
2: it. (laughs) Ah, well, there is a genetic difference between the two of us.
3: Although not the grown-ups. I will not watch that sequel. I've watched both. Is the second one any good?
2: Uh... Did you like the first one? No.
3: <laughs> can
2: I answer for no? you? No, it's shit. You can look at it and
1: shit. I, well, he asked, is the second one any good? Like, he liked the first one. Yeah, exactly. You know? There's
2: like a deer peeing one, somebody. I mean, it's bad.
1: I I love how bad the second one is. This The second one is worse, better than the first one is worse. So if you like bad movies, go with the second.
2: Although, I, you know what? Charlie Sheen might come back.
1: I'm not going to say what I'm thinking because it's
3: bad.
2: (laughs) Good. I agree. Don't. (laughs) If it tastes that bad in your mouth,
0: it is bad taste. (laughs)